This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. What's up, guys? Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. And I have to apologize ahead of time. I have to apologize because of the fact that I don't have time to go through and edit this. And unfortunately, I was getting overwhelmed by the Jets constantly, constantly going over. So you guys kind of get a, a live look into what goes on behind the scenes here. You know, I, I get through the, the Jets and, and you might have to, you know, kind of bear with me there. But I wanted to get this episode out for you guys because I do have to go work with some yards or better than no yards, which is an organization I started where we're teaching kids with special needs how to play. So I just don't have time to go through and edit this. I have to set up for some yards better than no yards to make sure those kids get the, uh, you know, the best possible first episode for them. So thanks again, guys, and have fun listening. What's up, guys? It is Monday morning. Well, I guess Monday afternoon now, but either way, we we just had our week one Sunday and it was fun, man. We had a blast. We had an absolute blast. And since this is a DFS episode, I'm going to dive into the DFS. But I will say that with everything going on, without us having a preseason, without us having you know too many, I guess, offseason workouts, right? Their ability to really tell, you know, who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing, all that kind of stuff. We just didn't get an opportunity. And so I warned you guys. I said, hey, this is going to be a little sketch, right? It's going to be a little bit sketch trying to guess, you know, who which players are going to go off, you know, who's going to be able to, to absolutely smash this week. And we whiffed. I mean, I whiffed on quite a few things, right? I whiffed on Hines. I never thought in a million years that Hines would actually go off. You know, I thought it was going to be the Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor show. And although it, it started that way to an extent, Hines definitely stole that show and was being used strangely as like a red zone back. I, I don't even know what was going on there, but hey, they used Hines. And I never thought that Hines would have amounted to anything in week one. You know, maybe some garbage time type stuff, but I thought it was going to be Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Now, with Marlon Mack out, right, it's obviously going to be a Jonathan Taylor and Nine Pines uh, split share in the backfield. So, you know, that, that's something that I definitely did not see coming. Uh, I whiffed on DJ Moore. I told you guys that DJ Moore was absolutely going to go off. And unfortunately, DJ Moore, he dropped a couple big time balls that would have changed his entire outlook on, on the fantasy day. But that didn't happen. He dropped them. And it is what it is. That's fantasy for you, right? I also called out that Calvin Ridley probably wouldn't be in very many of my lineups, if any at all. Whiffed on that. Boom. It happens, guys. It happens. And when we sit there and we look at the, you know, the week one season and we try to predict what's going to happen without having any kind of statistical evidence you know, throughout the preseason, it's going to have a bunch of misses in there. However, we did hit on quite a few. Like Henry Ruggs was on his way to a huge day before getting injured. I mean, he had 55 yards in like the first quarter. So that was something that we definitely want to look into for week two, right? And then we also brought up Adams, although we should have, you know, emphasized him more, him and MBS as a stack with, with Rodgers. We should have definitely hit on that a lot harder than what we did, but it was, was something that we brought up, right? 
Now, this isn't the recap show. Recap shows tomorrow. So I'm not going to dive too much into what happened, you know, yesterday during Sunday slate. So let's go ahead and jump in tonight because we're going to talk about these, this Monday night doubleheader slate, right? Where we have the Steelers and the Giants and then the Broncos and the Titans. And there's a lot, a lot of opportunity that could happen in both of these games. And the upside for both teams at certain points, or for all four teams, I should say, at certain points is through the through the roof. Absolutely 100% through the roof. So let's go ahead and look into this, right? And I'm going to start out with the game that can break wide open, right? If Roethlisberger's healthy, as advertised, which, you know, they're saying that he's healthy. He's saying that he's healthy. They're saying that his arm looks great. If he's healthy, like advertised, Dude, we could be talking about a massive, massive blowout when it comes to the Steelers versus the Giants, right? I mean, the Giants defense, although it's improving, it's a younger team and they're building up. Meanwhile, you have the Steelers, which want to compete and win now. I mean, this is a Steelers team that truly believes that they can go out and win a Super Bowl this year in 2020. So it, it's, it could end up being brutal, right? We have the pass last year that ranked 25th overall versus the quarterback, right, with the Giants. and. I honestly think that Big Ben could absolutely explode. And the more shocking thing was that they were 31st last year up against the wide receiver. Now they did improve. And let me go ahead and say this real quick, guys. I'm going to break off and say this real quick. I don't have a lot of the statistical analytics that I typically have. One reason because it's week one, but also because a lot of the websites that I use for sourcing, they ended up taking away like snap percentage and snap shares and where they line up because the games happened yesterday. So they reset everything. I don't have a lot of the snap percentages. If you're listening and you have a, a source that can actually give me year to year snap percentages and where they line up, like if they line up in the slot, if they line up on the outside, that would be great. But uh, Roto World, who I use, actually reset all their stuff. So I don't have where they lined up typically. So it's a little bit risky to play this week, but I'm going to do the best that I absolutely can to give you guys advice off of what I've read prior to this in my memory and, and where I remember, you know, certain things lining up along with camp reports and where beat reporters are saying they're going to line up. So I'm going to give it my best guys, but I will say that I don't have the usual analytics that I typically use to figure out where we're going. So back to this, they were 31st. The giants were against the wide receiver back in 2019. Now they did bring in James Bradbury, right. And safety Logan Ryan, who I think should end up sliding into the slot, uh, you know, he played the slot for Tennessee last year for the most part. So I think that that's going to be the guy that slides into the slot, but he's backing up safety, you know, uh, when it comes to the starting position. So they should be improved. Right. And the, the biggest thing that I'm looking at, however, is they're rolling out a sixth round pick who graded with a 36.6 from pro football focus, which is absolutely brutal, brutal. That was in 2019. And like I said, it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I'm pretty sure that I could see Juju Smith-Schuster lining up in the slot up against Logan Ryan. While from where, what I got from lineups.com, you're going to have James Washington on the left-hand side face up against that sixth-round pick. And then James Bradbury, who is brought in to be that star you know, shutdown corner, is lining up against Deontay Johnson. That concerns me a little bit. That concerns me a little for Deontay Johnson. However, I think that this is going to be a blow-up game. And I'm looking for Juju Smith-Schuster, who is hyper, hyper-targeted back over there for the, uh, uh, for the, the Steelers. 
in training camp. I mean, he was just getting targeted over and over and over again. I'm looking for Judas Smith-Schuster to absolutely go off. I'm going to have him and Ben Roethlisberger stacks all over my lineups tonight. I'm talking about probably close to 10 to 15 lineups minimum with Ben Roethlisberger and Judas Smith-Schuster stacked up. So I think that you guys should do the same. Obviously, you know, I'm not playing to lose, but... (laughs) Anyways, I do expect ownership to be pretty high on that, so I don't want it on every single one, but I do love that stack. Now, if I'm going off game flow, right, and I think it's going to be an absolute shootout, then I am going to have a lot of shares of James Washington as well, Deontay Johnson to an extent, and Chase Claypool will actually get a couple of different opportunities in there because I think that he is a a down-the-field threat slash red zone threat for the Steelers. However, I'm not going to have very many shares whatsoever of the tight end. I don't know what to expect with Eric Ebron, you know, coming in and obviously Vance McDonald already being there. And I, they don't use the tight end, you know, as it is. Plus the giants who were actually pretty good last year up against the tight end could actually be even better with the addition of Blake Martinez, you know, possibly taking those, those curl routes and those hitches. Now, when I look at the running back situation, The Giants were extremely subpar up against the running back, but I don't love James Conner in this matchup. I mean, I'm still going to give him a couple of shots here and there, especially if I have like, you know, Big Ben with Juju Smith-Schuster, and then I can take and add James Conner onto that stack. It it sounds a little, you know, strange because James Conner doesn't uh, doesn't catch passes, but if this is a blowout, then we could actually see, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster get two touchdowns, you know, maybe James Washington get a touchdown, and then they're just going to pound the rock away with with James Conner. Now I'm not expecting this to be a huge high scoring game, but could it get to 35 points on the Steelers side, 42 points on the Steelers side? It's possible with that Giants defense. Now the Giants defense did improve, but I mean, the Steelers are a Super Bowl caliber, you know, offense and defense, to be honest with you, if Big Ben is healthy once again. So let's see, let's see, where was I with this? Um, the under, most underrated signing, by the way, of the offseason could actually be T.J. Watt. Uh, T.J. Watt's the fullback over there who got signed by the Steelers. He will be the guy that's creating holes and being that bulldozer in the fullback position up in that offense. I think that you could actually see advantageous field positions. And with holes being created by T.J. Watt, James Conner could absolutely, absolutely break off a big one. You know, I'm talking 20, 25, 30 yards or so multiple times in this game. I like Connor, but I'm not going to be playing him all over the place. Now, when it comes to the backups with Benny Snell, with Anthony McFarland, I, I'm not, you know, locking into any one of those guys, really. I, you know, maybe if it's a blowout, they get an opportunity, or you could play him just in case, you know, James Connor gets injured, but reports coming out saying James Connor looks great, feels great. I like James Connor in this matchup a whole ton. Now, on the other side of the ball, right? We are looking at the Giants, and I'm not convinced the Giants are going to rack up a bunch of passing yards, even in garbage time. This Steelers defense is brutal. I mean, they led the league in points allowed to the quarterback, and it was ugly. Like, I want to say it was like 11 points per game to the quarterback, and they didn't even have a good offense last year. They are still winning a lot of these games, but I just don't see an opportunity where the Steelers, you know, allow – allow Daniel Jones to just rack up a ton of passing yards. Joe Hayden had one of the best uh, seasons of his career this past year. And I mean, they just shut down quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Now, if you want to play Jones in a contrarian lineup, I get it because his salary is probably not going to be through the roof. Like a lot of these other quarterbacks. And on top of that, I think that out of Ryan Tannenhill, out of uh, Drew Locke, out of Ben Roethlisberger, 
those guys are going to crush, going to crush Daniel Jones when it comes to ownership percentages. So I can understand it in like one con, uh, contrarian lineup, you know, run it back with Judas Smith-Schuster, run it back with James Conner, something along those lines. But I'm not saying like, I, I think that, that Daniel Jones will actually be a big hit this week. I don't think that it's going to happen. Now, with the wide receivers, we're in a similar place. They did a pretty good job of preventing explosive plays. They only allowed five touchdowns last year from over 20 yards. So looking at it, they actually struggled more so with the tight ends and the big body receivers in the red zone. Now, when it comes to big body receivers, I don't know that the Giants necessarily have a guy that's going to go up and get it. Like Darius Slayton, I guess, but not really. Uh, Sterling Shepard, no, not really. He's more of a tactician type route runner guy. And then you have... Golden Tate in the slot, who might get a little bit of work, actually, you know, because you were able to attack the Steelers in the slot to an extent. Not like I'm not saying that you got, you know, 200 yards to the slot receiver, but there were certain games where they gave up, you know, 100 or so yards to that slot position. So I actually think that this is a huge Evan Ingram game. I'm not locked into playing him everywhere. The Steelers are still pretty damn good up against the tight end, too. But I like Evan Ingram to to still produce now. His ownership might be a little bit up there because this isn't the best tight end, you know, slate right now. I mean, we're looking at Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald, uh, Johnny Smith, and then I guess Noah Fant will probably be up there in ownership. Evan Ingram will probably be number two. So it's not really a contrarian play, but I can understand if you want to go in, you know, try and get those red zone targets with Aaron, Evan, uh, Evan Ingram, excuse me. Now, of course, you got to take a shot on Barkley, right? You got to take a shot on Barkley. Barkley is like the go-to for this for this uh, matchup outside of Henry. I think that Henry actually has the highest inner percentage on this, but you know Barkley's. You got to take a shot on him. You know, I will say that they lost Hargrave in free agency, which bodes extremely well for Hargrave. If the Giants are going to compete with the Steelers, and you think that this could end up in a sh- uh, shootout, Barkley's going to have to be a thing. And they upgraded on the offensive line, right? We already talked about how Hargrave was lost in free agency. And I still think that the Steelers' defense is dominant. Don't get me wrong. Don't, I'm not saying they're a fluff piece. But Barkley, with these matchups, I think you got to take a chance on him in quite a few lineups. And I think that he could end up producing decent numbers for you. I don't know what he brings back to you when it comes to the multiplier value. But there aren't that many expensive options on this slate that you can you know, feel confident in playing. And I think... Saquon's probably that guy where you're going to end up, you know, spending and increasing your, your salary, I guess, decreasing your salary. So let's see, let's see, hopping over to the Titans and the Broncos. All right. Yeah. So that's the Giants and the Steelers slate. Like I said, I normally have a lot more, you know, analytics involved, but I just didn't have access to them because, you know, all the sites that I use ended up resetting those analytics. So, you know, unfortunately, I have to go on what I remember and, you know, what I was able to dig up in the limited amount of time I have to get this episode out. So hopping over to, to the Titans and the Broncos, the highest owned player on this slate, including the quarterback position has got to be Derrick Henry. It's going to be Derrick Henry or big Ben, in my opinion. And I don't really know if I love, love playing him this week. Right. Like, this is not a good matchup for Henry at all. And I see a lot of people ask who you're going to be playing, who's going to go off tonight in the Monday night games. And I want to say a good, like, 30, 40% of you guys said Derrick Henry. And I don't love Derrick Henry in this. They were sixth up against the run last year, and they added Drell Casey while getting Bradley Chuck back from injury, right? And I know Von Miller's injured, so I'm hoping that that's, that doesn't take, uh, you know, too much away from the, from the run game, or the run defense, I should say. But... I mean, they got better overall and they were six last year, right? Cash games. Sure. Play Henry all you want, but I li- really in tournaments. I love this contrarian view, right? 
I said the same exact thing with George Kittle, right? Because George Kittle, he was going to be owned through his ownership is going to be through the roof. And he had Arizona up and then he ends up getting injured and doesn't produce. Now, I'm not saying that Henry's going to get injured, but after losing Jack Conklin, right? After this defense getting better and after the fact that he put up 28 yards on them on 15 carries last year, that was the game where Tannenhill took over for Mariota. That's not good. Like 15 carries for 28 yards is not, not something that I want in my running back. And I don't really see, you know, too many situations where it could get better. Now, do I see him putting up 80 yards and, you know, maybe a touchdown? Sure. But that's not going to get you high multiplier. And it could end up knocking out like 80% of the competition from big time money. If some of these other running backs can actually go off, you know, if James Conner can go off, right. If Saquon Barkley can go off, you know, we're talking about, you know, a, a massive amount of these guys getting out because they're going to spend the majority of their salary or a good portion of their salary on Derrick Henry. And we're talking about, I mean, cause his ownership get up to I don't know, 70%, 80%. It's, it's possible. It's definitely possible, right? We saw Patrick Mahomes get up to 93% on, on Monday night. So, I mean, on Thursday night, excuse me. So Derrick Henry could end up, you know, seeing that I, I'll probably guess that he's going to be around like 60, 65% or so, but he could definitely see a 70 or 80% ownership level. I'm not kidding you guys. It could happen. I've seen it before. So, and, and looking at these other options, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's actually likely to happen, but He's going to, he's going to be knocked out of tournaments. Sure. You can play him in cash, but tournaments, he is not a good option for you. I like the contrarian play of opting to not roster him. You know, that's, that's the route that I'm going. And this leaves AJ Brown and Johnny Smith to do work, baby. Like they could do serious work. I love these guys this week, but there's a flyer that I might be taking a shot on in quite a few lineups. Hear me out. Hear me out. Corey Davis. All right. He has these like annual, you know, once a year type games where he absolutely goes off and he, he wrecks fantasy slates because nobody plays him. Right. There's like five people in the whole entire, you know, million people to play that actually play him. And if starting cornerback, AJ Bouye, right. If they try and get him who they just acquired from Jacksonville in a trade, if they try and get him on AJ Brown, then that could leave the five, nine Bryce Callahan to cover Corey Davis. Corey Davis is what, like six three, six four, six five. This guy's a monster, right? And he thrives up against these shorter corners. We've seen it in New England, right? Where he went off what a year ago, two years ago, up against these these smaller guys. So I actually love Corey Davis as a flyer in tournaments. Now cash games, no, I'm not going to be playing them. But but for tournaments, Corey Davis is an absolute play, especially if you want to try and stack, you know, and go with a, a lock lineup and then run it back, or go with a uh, you know, a, a Ryan Tannehill stack. You could absolutely do that. And it could work out extremely well for you. Now, AJ Brown is a guy that I love for, for both cash and tournaments, right? Because if he goes up against AJ Bouye, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough time, but AJ Bouye last year, he was okay, but he wasn't phenomenal. He wasn't the best corner out there. And actually he's kind of suffered to an extent ever since leaving the Texans, I believe. I don't think he's been that great outside of a, you know, a couple of seasons, but you have to keep in mind too, that he's playing up against these secondary wide receivers, not the primary wide receivers because Jalen Ramsey was doing that. And then he got exposed in a few different weeks when he had to play up against some of these good receivers over there in Jacksonville. Now he comes over here and they could ask him to be the primary corner. And if they ask him to shadow, which I'm not sure that they're going to, but either way, if he lines up up against uh, DJ Moore, DJ Moore could still take, I mean, I'm sorry, DJ Moore, um, AJ Brown, then AJ Brown could absolutely take advantage of a, a couple different, you know, a couple different receptions and take to the house. Now, if they don't shadow and if AJ Brown matches up against Callahan, that's money. That is money because we watched AJ Brown last year 
break tackle after tackle on some of these guys that struggle to make tackles. And Callahan was actually one of those guys in previous years. Now, overall, he's a great corner, but there are missed tackles that he has in games. So we can see A.J. Brown absolutely, absolutely go off. Keep in mind, they lost Chris Harris in free agency. Now, if the Broncos can keep Derrick Henry contained, right, this should open up major, major opportunities, especially on third down. The Titans last year led the league in uh, explosive plays on first and second down. That didn't allow for a lot of third down opportunities. In fact, I think they were bottom three in third down opportunities last year because they didn't have any third downs. They kept on scoring on first and second down on big plays. If that regression can happen just a little bit, we could see a lot more opportunity for uh, Tannenhill to distribute the ball to not only A.J. Brown, but also, also Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith could be an absolute boom play. And if you're playing with a bonus spot, like a captain spot or whatever the case is, I would look at, at Jonu Smith being one of those options. You know, we've seen him be explosive. What was, what was it, like a 44-yard run that he took to the house? And he had multiple other plays back in 2019 where, you know, you could see the talent. And now NFL GMs all over the league are saying that he's a top five tight end talent-wise. Now, does he get used? That's not, that's not locked in, right? We don't know if he's going to get usage. But if the Broncos, right, can, like I said, keep Derrick Henry contained, this could open up opportunities for Johnny Smith to prove his worth. So, I really, really actually like Johnny Smith. Now, if I look at the uh, statistics for it, we had both Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. They were actually two of the best safeties in the league last year. You know, arguably it was one of the best tandems overall. However, for, for whatever reason, they were 25th in points allowed to the tight end with the third most touchdowns, right? They allowed the third most touchdowns of any other team in the NFL to the tight end position. I'm telling you guys, this could be a massive, massive upside game for, for John New Smith. And that's, once again, you're not playing him if Derrick Henry's in, but you can play him if Derrick Henry, I mean, if you have Derrick Henry in your lineups, but you can play him, you know, if you think that it's going to be a more pass-heavy game, which is something that I think could actually happen. Now, Tannenhill, as well, is also a stack possibility if you think they're going to pass, like I, you know, was just talking about. Uh, Tannenhill with John New and A.J. Brown's great. If you want to take a flyer and say maybe they, they double cover A.J. Brown, which will open up opportunities for Corey Davis and John New Smith, I love that stack as well. So, yeah, Tannenhill for me is, is a definite possible play, but I actually like the guy on the other side of the ball when it comes to the quarterback position the most for this week. The Broncos, right? They're going to be doing, they're going to be probably the most frustrating team in the NFL when it comes to DFS. And we, oh, great. The Jets are back, guys. The Jets are back. Of course, right when I'm trying to record, not a single jet all morning. <laughs> oh, give it a second. Because you can hear this on my mic on my recording. It's like champ. All right. So the Broncos are going to be probably one of the most frustrating teams when it comes to DFS in the NFL this year. I'm, Literally going to be pulling my hair out, trying to figure out which wide receiver to play, which running back to play, which tight end to play. I mean, they are loaded, right? We talk about uh, KJ Hamler. We talk about Jerry Judy. We talk about Cortland, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Albert Okwabunum. Okwabunum, excuse me. Albert Okwabunum, uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, right? Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. No matter which one we're looking at, we're looking at options all over the place. And this is going to be great. This is going to be great, great, great for Drew Locke. I love Drew Locke this season. But it's going to mess with you so much when it comes to DFS and the wide receivers and trying to figure out which one's actually going to go off. And every one of them is going to have opportunities to, right? You have Jerry Judy, 
underneath to an extent who's going to be working like those intermediate routes and his route running is so sick. I've been watching highlight clips of him in training camp, burning defensive backs. It's been a lot of fun to watch him. So I do think that he can produce tonight. We'll get into that in a second, but KJ Hill has that deep threat ability, right? We have Cortland Sutton who should still lead the team in targets, but there might be weeks where, you know, he kind of just lets you down because the other two guys are getting all the targets and, you know, they're dishing off to the running back. Great. Again, with the Jets. What's going on, guys? Wow, we have some Jets. I'm going to pull this up over the screen. What's going on, Big Worms? What's up, Tim? How are you guys doing out there? Oh, man. Nibble with numbers. What's up, bud? How you doing, man? I get to go on his podcast this weekend. If you want to, if you want to th- uh, post your podcast up on the screen, man, I'll throw it up there for you. All right. Ooh, the Jets. I know, right? Too. These Jets are terrible, but I think it's even worse for the Jets that actually play on the field, right? Ooh, that's scary. All right. So back to my numbers. Like I said, Scott, if you want to throw your, your podcast up here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll post it up here because I'm going to be doing DFS with you on Saturday. So let's go ahead and get back to these numbers. Um, where was I? Oh, I was talking about how KJ Hill, KJ Hill could abs- or uh, I'm sorry, KJ Hamler, not KJ Hill. KJ Hamler could absolutely be a deep threat. And Corlin Sutton, although he should leave the team in targets, is going to be a little bit frustrating. We don't know what's going to happen with Noah Fant. 38% of Noah Fant's yards, I believe, came on either three or five receptions out of 40. So uh, once again, that was a, a random set that I had back. But yeah, so if, if there's big plays to be had this week, the Noah fan is an absolute, absolute option, but I love Drew Locke. I think I'm just going to have to power through these Jets, guys. Sorry about the people listening to the podcast. I don't have a lot of time because I do have some yards are better than no yards, which is going to take place at, at 530 today, where we're working with kids with special needs and teaching them how to play fantasy football. So I don't have time to, to wait for these Jets and then have to go through and edit. But yeah, we're going to power through this. So the, uh, the guy that I'm looking at, Big time here is going to be Drew Locke in this DFS matchup. Let me tell you why. He is such a sneaky quarterback play this week. You have uh, Shermer who came in, right? Offensive coordinator, he's going to be calling the plays. He loves when his quarterbacks run the ball. He absolutely loves it, right? So you're talking about ability to pick up yards on the ground. Now, he didn't do it a lot last year, but he's actually faster than Daniel Jones was. And Daniel Jones was what, like top 10 at least minimum in rushing yards for the quarterback position. He only played like, what, 13 or 14 games. So I love, I love Drew Locke to actually use his legs this season. There was only like one season where Shermer was calling the plays and he didn't have a top 10 quarterback at the rushing position. And that was David Garrard back, you know, back in the day. And David Garrard was not a running quarterback. He still had two seasons where he finished as a top 10 rusher. So Pat Shermer loves his quarterbacks to run. That's why I absolutely love Drew Locke. I am a little bit nervous, right? I'm a little bit nervous because of his downfield accuracy, but he showed he could do it with Cortland Sutton, you know, on on quite a few plays last year. We'll see what happens with that. My other concern is Vic Beasley and Clowney are coming to town. And that makes me a little bit nervous. They did upgrade at the offensive line with uh, Graham Glasgow, but yeah, they also lost McGovern. It just makes me a little bit nervous. Now, I know that Clowney's more of a run stopper, but Vic Beasley was racking up sacks. I'm a little bit nervous with this defensive line. Now, with Cortland Sutton being here as a guy to stack on there, I don't love Sutton because he's questionable. The coach is saying, like, if he could do 10 jumping jacks, then he's going to be able to play or he's going to be active. So 
that's a little bit uh, interesting. 10 jumping jacks and you can play. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'm more concerned with Cortland Sutton being a decoy in this matchup than actually being like fantasy relevant. This opens up the field tremendously for Jerry Judy if he plays. If he doesn't play, Jerry Judy all of a sudden makes me a little bit nervous because they could use bracket coverage on Jerry Judy. So when it comes to stacking, I'm definitely 100% playing Judy if Cortland Sutton plays. If he doesn't, I'm still going to be playing him, but maybe not as in many lineups uh, as, as I would without Cortland Sutton. Reason being, if he's not facing bracket coverage, he could actually see a lot more you know, high upside type plays or breakaway receptions. So I like Jerry Judy a lot more if Corlin Sutton plays because of the upside, unless it's cash games. If it's cash games, I'll go, I'll go with Jerry Judy if Corlin Sutton doesn't play or if he does. Now, you don't got to stack any more receivers in this matchup because like I mentioned, Drew Locke can get fantasy, op- or, uh, uh, fantasy points with his legs. You know, he's going to see opportunities with his legs. So you don't have to stack another receiver. But if you do, KJ Hamler offers some significant, significant upside. You know, you're talking about a guy who supposedly could beat Henry Ruggs' time in the 40 if he would have ran. However, he was hurt, didn't end up running. So unfortunately, that never happens. However, KJ Hamler is a fantastic, fantastic tournament play this upcoming on this upcoming slate. No offense up next. God, I hate this. These Jets are driving me nuts, man. All right. We're going to pound through it, though. All right, so Noah Fant is a great play for the Titans, right? They were 27th versus a tight end last year in a division without any great tight ends, by the way, right? Like, how are you 27th versus a tight end last year, but yet you play Jack Doyle, right? Or I guess Eric Ebron last year and Jack Doyle combined. And then you had Vance, or not Vance McDonald. Oh, man. Um, you had uh, what, uh, Tyler Eifert was the other starting tight end, correct? And then you had um, uh, Darren Fells. Like, how is that a thing? Like, how are you 27th in a division where six-year games are that bad? I just, the Titans are not good up against the tight end. And although they did pour a bunch of money and invest a ton into the defense this offseason, I still think that Noah Fant can absolutely be a thing. And I don't think that Noah Fant can be a thing every week. This is not something where I like Noah Fant. I'm actually kind of off of Noah Fant because of how many other options there are. However, this guy can break tackles. This guy can get deep receptions, and he is the perfect tight end to beat up on the Titans. I love Noah Fant in this matchup. My favorite stack for tournaments or for cash, yeah, I'd save in cash, is probably going to be Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, and, uh, and Noah Fant. Now, the opposite is true up against the running backs, who I really don't want any part of in this matchup, right? I mean, the Titans were subpar versus the running back last year. I get that. But they just added in Davion Clowney. And like we said, um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, I'm struggling through this. The Jets are throwing me off. Uh, Vic Beasley. So, yeah, they added in Vic Beasley. They added in Clowney. Uh, That scares me a lot, a lot, a lot when it comes to the upside of these running backs. On top of that, we don't know which direction it's going to go. You know, we're talking about Melvin Gordon being the main running back. We're talking about Philip Lindsay being the main running back. We're talking about all sorts of other stuff where, you know, Melvin Gordon's going to be the first and second down back and Philip Lindsay's going to be a third down back. Philip Lindsay can't block. Philip Lindsay struggles significantly with pass blocking. That's why Royce Freeman was in the game on passing downs last year. That's why Royce Freeman pretty much was dominating, you know, the targets towards the tail end of the season. You know, I think they finished out pretty close overall, but at the tail end of the season, it was a Royce Freeman show because they didn't want to get Drew Locke killed. So I'm telling you guys, if it's going to be 
you know, Melvin Gordon on first down and second down, it might be Royce Freeman on third down. Now, if Philip Lindsay is the first and second down back, then I could see Melvin Gordon being the third down back. But Melvin Gordon's never really been the third down back. He, that's been, you know, that's been uh, Eckler's job. So I don't love, don't absolutely love this. And I don't really want to touch any of this. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe I might take Royce Freeman as a flyer in one lineup that I go Tennessee, Tennessee pass heavy on. And I think that Tennessee could pass a ton. But this game last year finished out, I think, 16 nothing when they played each other last year. So I'm not loving this matchup at all, like at all outside of, you know, the, the upside with Drew Locke and the, the passing game. So, yeah, is there a situation where this could be a shootout? Absolutely. But I just don't know if there's going to be enough fantasy value for you to play these guys, even in cash games. Now, if there is one guy I will play in cash games and cash games only, it's going to be Melvin Gordon. But I think that you're, you have so many better options. You don't need to go with the running backs in this slate. Just stay away from the running backs, you know, in the slate as a whole. And that includes Derrick Henry, guys. And that's going to be my show. Normally, this show lasts about an hour or so. But like I said, I was restricted from getting, you know, my research done with the analytics and all the platforms kind of, you know, resetting after the Sunday games. So a lot of the stuff that was available from 2019 is no longer available. So hopefully it gets a little bit better next week. And hopefully we get a little bit of a better you know, taste as to which direction we want to go with DFS type plays. I mean, there were a lot of shockers out there. Like we could have seen, you know, MVS go off. Like I actually had a prediction that it was going to be MVS and Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers. However, I mean, that was a shot in the dark. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to lock in MVS to hundred of my lineups. You know, now that could be a little bit more predictive when it comes to, you know, week to week matchups. So look forward to that guys. Look forward to a little bit less, you know, question marks on week one. And yeah, I hope you guys go out there and crush it. If you guys want to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasy intervention, you'll actually get three of my lineups, three of my lineups. It's two bucks, it's 50 cents a week. And typically those lineups end up hitting. I had a little bit of a rough start. We'll see if we can make up for it on Monday. All right, here we go, guys. Y'all want to follow me on any of my other platforms, including listening to my podcast. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash fantasy intervention. You'll have a list of all my platforms and where you can find me. Once again, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash fantasy intervention. I also write for Dynasty Nerds, Dynasty Happy Hour, and the pregamehq.com. So if you guys want to find any of my articles for those guys, you will be able to find it on my platform. Listen, I appreciate you guys for coming in and joining the circle today. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. I'm out. My mom told my niggas is dope. Switch up a stove to pick up a stove. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.